Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Have you ever tried to sew a fig leaf together? It's like, you know, it rips, it breaks, they're naked. Before this, they're naked, they're not ashamed, but all of a sudden they've sinned now, and sin has robbed them of their honor, of their purity, of their innocence, and now they feel so terribly ashamed, and they're hastily trying to get these fig leaves and try to sew them together. You can imagine Adam yelling at Eve, hurry up, it's your fault we have to cover ourselves. The least you can do is sew these things so. And we can imagine that as they sewed their, their pathetic fig leaves, probably ripping up it, they're thinking, this can't help us. We can't really think this is going to hide from God with these. And then the ray of light came as it broke through their darkness, and it was the voice of God. And it was breaking through the confusion. And yes, God said, where art thou? But it wasn't the words he said. It's how he sounded when he said it. You know, if you ever watch a mother that loses, like like Cheryl lost our kids one time in Walmart, I think it was, you know. The mother realizes that, where's my son? Where's my, you know, and, and that cry, you know, it's not a calm cry, it's a, you know, where art you? Where are you? That's how God called out, you know, with this yearning. And that's what our hungry man in Thirsty Man in verse six, he hears the longing, he hears the yearning voice of God calling to him in, in Isaiah 55, one. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, you know, you out there that are thirsty. And so he reads in Isaiah 55, one. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. He that hath no money, come, buy, eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money, without price. So our man in verse 6, he reads this in Isaiah 55, 1, that God has spoken and he hears God saying, come, and he understands that God is calling him to come. He understands it's all up to him now. He's going to decide he's going to come or not. God's not going to drag him out. God didn't drag Adam out from his hiding. Adam has to come out. And you realize he has to come out. He has to surrender. He's got to choose. He's going to come or not come. That's his choice, just like the Lord Jesus said to a group who had made their choice. And he said in John 5.40, John 5.40, you will not come to me that you might have life. No coming, no eternal life, just that simple. So here in Isaiah 55.1, God's done everything. In his invitation now, he says, come. This is such an important invitation. It's the last invitation in the Bible. In Revelation 22.17, Revelation 22.17, where the spirit joins with the bride, Christians, and they say, come. And it says, and let him that heareth say, come. In other words, they call out, come. And the person says, I come. And let him that is a thirst, come. That's our man, the thirsty man. Let him that is a thirst, come. And whosoever will, let him drink of the, take of the water of life freely. So our man hears God calling to the thirsty in Isaiah 55, 1. And then 
And this chapter 55 is reading along in Isaiah. He realizes this is just two chapters after the 53rd of Isaiah 53. Describes how the Lord Jesus Christ suffered for us, died for our sins. In Isaiah 53, 5, it says, Isaiah 53, 5, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep, we've gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. So our man, in verse six, he needs the Isaiah 53 justification. Isaiah 53, 11 talks about justification. Isaiah 53, 11, when God says, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Now, this is exactly what the man in verse six needs. He needs a righteousness from a justification from a Messiah who will bear his sins and die for his sins. So the invitation in Isaiah 55, one is to come to the waters, drink and eat. And the person is invited to help himself to water and wine and milk. In verse one, Isaiah 55, one, ho everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. He that hath no money, come ye buy and eat, and yea, come buy wine and milk without money, without price. Well, water, water obviously satisfies this deep thirst inside. And wine, wine makes a person happy. In Psalm 104, verse 15, it says, wine makes glad the heart of man, and milk nourishes. So the invitation here is to be satisfied, is to be made happy, it's to be made nourished in the soul. But there's two conditions. There's two conditions for this call. The conditions are not for everyone. It's only for the person who meets the two conditions. And the two conditions that the person has to have in order to be satisfied, made happy, and nourished spiritually, first the call comes out in verse 1, Isaiah 55, 1, 55, 1, ho, everyone that thirsteth. So a person has to know that he's thirsty inside. If a person thinks, well, I don't need anything in life. I've got it made. Then the call is just not for him. Sorry, not for you. The call is not for a person who sees himself as the Laodiceans saw themselves in Revelation 3.17. Revelation 3.17, where the Lord said to them, because thou sayest, I am rich. Think about that. Because thou sayest, I am rich, increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, miserable, poor, blind, naked. See, even though a person can be really all of us are, wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked, if he sees himself as not needing God, then God's not calling him. God's not calling him because the Lord Jesus was only calling those that were thirsty. Ho, everyone that thirsteth. The Lord Jesus Christ called out to those who were thirsty in John 7, 37. John 7, 37, when it says, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, if any man thirst." let him come unto me and drink. Now, the feast there that he said that, everyone talks about the great feast, that was the Feast of Tabernacles. Feast of Tabernacles is a very interesting feast. It's the feast where it's the remembrance of when Israel was in the desert for 40 years living in tents, tabernacles. They didn't have any way to grow food. They were moving around all the time. They were totally dependent on God for those 40 years for food, for water. Food came out of the sky, manna. Water sometimes came out of a rock. And during those 40 years, it was very memorable for Israel because God specifically let them go hungry. He says that in Deuteronomy 8.3, Deuteronomy 8.3. 
He humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. So this is a feast to remember that. It was celebrated every year for eight days, the Feast of Tents, the Feast of Tabernacles. Remember, to remember how Israel got hungry during those 40 years in the desert, and God fed them during that time. Now, there was a tradition, it's not in the Bible, and nobody really knows where this came from, but there was a tradition that on the last day of the feast that the priest would go down to the pool of Siloam, and he would take a pitcher of water, and then he would go back up to the temple and mix it with wine, and then he would pour it out at the altar of sacrifice. So this is this last day of the feast, the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles when they're remembering the needs of Israel in the desert. And as everyone is watching the priest collect the water and mix it with the wine and pour it out at the altar, just at that moment, Jesus cries out in John 7:37. John 7:37. if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. What did he mean? He meant that if any man knows that he's thirsty in his soul, then he's invited to come. He's invited because he's made promises about people who come to him, like in John 6.35, John 6.35, Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth in me shall never thirst. He talked about hunger and thirst, and it never happening for the person who came to him. This is our man in verse six. He's hungering and thirsting, and he calls him, the Lord Jesus calls himself the bread of life that will make a person never hunger, never thirst. Just imagine bread and how bread is made. I mean, bread starts off with some kind of seed. For example, corn, and the seeds are crushed. The Bible speaks about in Isaiah 28, 28, Isaiah 28, 28, bread corn is bruised to make bread. The seed, the corn, the kernels of corn are bruised. They're threshed, they're crushed. Reminds us of the Lord Jesus when it says in Isaiah 28, 28, bread corn is bruised, how it says in Isaiah 53, 5, 53, 5, he was bruised for our iniquities. And then bread corn is bread flour is then baked. There's a children's story that's just terrible, and it really ought to be labeled child terrorism. It's the story of Hansel and Gretel. Nobody should read this story. If you've got kids, never read them this story. Don't allow them to do this. This is terrible. A child pushing a woman into an oven, that's over the top. But anyways, that's Hansel and Gretel. But this is what the Lord Jesus did for us. He entered into this oven of suffering when he saved us from our sins. He's all alone in the oven. He's suffering, and the voice that comes out that you hear from the oven is the voice of Psalm 22.1, Psalm 22.1. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? So all this bruising of the corn used to make the bread is so he could become the bread of life. All this suffering like in an oven to be baked that he endured is so that he could become our bread of life, satisfy the deep hunger of our souls. So he's only calling those who know they are thirsty in their souls. That's the first condition. A person must know that he is deeply thirsty, deeply hungry in his soul. A person to be blessed has to meet that condition of Matthew 5, 6, of verse 6. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst. The second condition, it says in Isaiah 55.1, Isaiah 55.1, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. He that hath no money, 
Come ye buy and eat. Come buy wine, milk without money, without price. Now that seems crazy. I mean, how can a person come and buy wine and milk with no money? How can a person be called that has no money to then buy wine and milk? And this is the second condition for a person to be able to come and drink and eat. He has to come with no money. He has to know that he has no money. Now, money is what you use to purchase things. Money has bargaining power. A person who knows he has no money knows that he has nothing to buy what he needs. And this is the second condition of the person who comes to God. Just like the hymn says, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Naked, I come to thee for dress. Helpless, look to thee for grace. Foul, I to the fountain fly, wash me, Savior, or I die. Not the labor of my hands could fulfill thy law's demands. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? All could never erase sin. Thou must save and thou alone. So if a person comes to God with money, so to speak, he's got the money of his good works, and he expects to be rewarded with heaven because of what he's done, the invitation's not for him. It's not for him. You gotta come with no money. Because the invitation is only for those who have no money, nothing to give to God in exchange for heaven. The invitation call is only to those who are thirsty and who have no money. Some people feel thirsty, but they think they've got money. And a person who is thirsty for God and knows he has nothing to bring to God, no money, you're pretty much getting down to the level of dirty, rotten sinner. And a person who has no money, then that means that he's got to get a gift. He's going to receive a gift. And the Lord Jesus spoke about this in John 4.10, John 4.10. Jesus answered and said unto her, if thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith unto thee, give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him. He would have given thee living water. So here the Lord Jesus says, he knows he's speaking to a dirty, rotten, sinful woman, and he speaks about, there's a gift for you. There's a gift from God. All you gotta do is ask for it. You'll get it. And then he speaks the same words to a very prominent teacher of the Jewish people named Nicodemus. In John 3.16, John 3.16, he told Nicodemus that God so loved the world that he gave, there's the gift, his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. All you gotta do is ask, you can have it. So the invitation in Isaiah 55.1 is to the person, he knows he's thirsty, he knows he has nothing to bring to God, and the invitation is to receive the Lord Jesus as the gift of God that'll satisfy his soul And all of these conditions are laid out in Mark 2.17, Mark 2.17, where Jesus said to them, they that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance, dirty, rotten sinners to repentance. The problem with the ones that the Lord Jesus called whole is that they're not what Isaiah 55, they're not who Isaiah 55 is calling, ho, everyone that thirsteth. They don't see themselves as having nothing. The nothing of verse one, he that hath no money, Isaiah 55, one. And because they're not thirsty, because they're, they're not our man, in verse six, they which do hunger and thirst, the Lord called them in Mark 2.17, Mark 2.17, they that are whole and they have no need of physician. It's the sick he's calling. Those are really tragic words in Mark 2.17 when he says, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He came to call the sick, the sick of the soul, the sick with hunger and thirst, the sick with sin. 
He didn't come to call the righteous. He came to call sinners. So this leaves a question, still the question's on the table, when he says in verse 1, Isaiah 55, 1, 55, 1, he that hath no money come ye buy. How can a person with no money buy? I mean, this seems like a contradiction, the idea of buying with no money. I mean, why didn't he say, he that hath no money, take? But he didn't. He said, he that hath no money, buy. Why did he say buy instead of take? If you have no money, you take. Well, how can you buy if you don't have any money? If he has no money, what's he using to buy? It's very purposeful that God put the word buy there because it implies that the person doesn't have something to use to purchase. There is something that is needed to purchase. It's just not money. It's just not money. Well, it's not money to buy this water of life. What is it? What does a sinner use to buy the water of life? You know, pretty soon, Scott and I are gonna go down to the Del Mar Fair, and one of the things that we love to do there is eat. Of course, what else do you do there anyway? And, um, and you know, so you just picture you're gonna go there and you buy a hot dog, and, and just picture that there's a sign that says, just take hot dogs, they're free. Okay, you say, okay, that's fine, I can understand that. Maybe they got too many hot dogs, or whatever. okay. But, but the sign says, buy the hot dogs, but not with money. And that's really what Isaiah 55, one is saying. He that hath no money, come and buy. It doesn't say he that hath no money, come and take. So if it's not our own personal money, then what is it that's used? The water of life is not worthless. It's very valuable, but it was purchased for us. The water of life is like our redemption that's spoken about in 1 Peter 1.18. 1 Peter 1.18, which says, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Precious blood purchased our redemption. The blood of the Lord Jesus, that's the money that was used, that was used to pay the price. Not the money, money of silver and gold, but his own blood. And that's why it says in Colossians 1.14, Colossians 1.14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. So his blood is used to purchase the forgiveness of our sins. We're coming right up on Passover. Maybe some of you are gonna come tonight. We're gonna remember through the Seder. And this makes us think about that last Passover supper and what was in the mind of the Lord Jesus in the last Passover supper. You think it was, you know, hey, we gotta remember to do the greens now, now we gotta remember to do the egg, and where's my Haggadah? I gotta make sure I get all the things straight. But what was really on his mind? Was it really this, all this order of the service that was on his mind? No, what was on his mind at the last Passover supper was the debt that he was gonna pay. And that's why it says at that last Passover supper in Matthew 26, 28, Matthew 26, 28, he picks up the cup and he said, this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. This is what he's thinking about in the last Passover supper. He's thinking about my blood. He says, my blood. It's the blood of the Lord Jesus that was used to pay for our debts so our sins could be erased, they could be remitted. And that's why he said in Matthew 20, 28, Matthew 20, 28, the Son of Man came to give his life a ransom for many. This is why he came to earth. He came to earth for this reason, so that he could pay the ransom we couldn't afford. So the life of the Lord Jesus is used to pay the costly ransom for our souls, and when the Lord Jesus used his blood to pay the ransom and buy our redemption and buy the remission of our sins, then we became his property. 
We became owned by him, as it says in Acts 20, 28. Acts 20, 28. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost had made you overseers to feed the church of God with he had purchased with his own blood. And in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 1 Corinthians 6, 19, it says, what? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. So, this fact that the Lord Jesus uses his blood to purchase our redemption, to pay for our ransom, to buy the forgiveness of our sins. This is gonna be a song that we're gonna sing, a new song. This is gonna be the subject of a new song. We're gonna sing this song forever in Revelation 5.9, Revelation 5.9. They sung a new song saying, thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, nation. So back at the Del Mar Fair, it says that, you know, buy the hot dog, but not with money. And then the sign says it's been paid for, and all you have to do is to take this coupon and you can have the hot dog. Just because the Lord Jesus has done that for us, just because he's done that for man, just because he has paid the redemption, he's purchased the forgiveness of sins, the ransom, it doesn't mean that everybody's redeemed. It doesn't mean that everybody's forgiven. It doesn't mean that everybody is free. Each person has to take the free gift of God. So what does a person do? What does a person do to have the blood of the Lord Jesus count on their count for the redemption, ransom, forgiveness? Well, a person has to come to God with a strong sense of need. This is our man in verse six, Matthew 5, 6. He has to be part of this, they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, which is the righteousness which is not his own. It's the righteousness of Lord Jesus Christ. He desperately wants to be covered in the righteousness of God, which is why it says in Isaiah 61.10, Isaiah 61.10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. Covered with the robe of righteousness, which is why it says in Romans 13.14, Romans 13.14, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. This is why Paul said in Philippians 3.9, Philippians 3.9, that he wanted to be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law. This is the righteousness that's referred to in our man in verse six. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, after righteousness that's not his own, after righteousness which is the Lord Jesus. But a person has to first come to God with no money, of his own, to buy his salvation. He's gotta come with open hands to receive the gift. This is why the Lord Jesus, in speaking to that woman in John 4.10, John 4.10 said, if thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. It's a gift. It's an Ephesians 2.8 gift. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself, the gift of salvation is not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. So a person has to come with this willingness to accept. He has to be part of this group that's spoken of in John 1.12, John 1.12, as many as received him, to them gave you the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So how do you do that? Well, you come to the Lord Jesus when you turn to yourself and we say to our self-life, which is the life that wants to live for self, you turn to your self-life and you say, this is the end of the road, pal. This is the end of the road for you and me. This is where our ways part. This is where we part ways. I can't have you as my self-life sitting on the throne of my life. 
you gotta leave so that the Lord Jesus can sit on the throne of my life, which is what Paul said in Philippians 3.8. Philippians 3.8, yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of many things and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 